Do, 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 do. <laughs> That's the end, not the beginning. I know. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Book Squad Podcast. 94% bookish banter, 6% shenanigans. From Lawrence Public Librarians, Kate Gramlich and Polly Kim. <laughs> Why do we make the same noise and then laugh the same way? Hey, Kate. Hi. You ready? <laughs> yes. Wow, you're extra ready. Uh-huh. We're recording at a different time today. It's it's like, it's dark out. I mean, it's, ooh, the sun just set. Yeah. The sun is setting a little bit later every day. Maybe, nice. yeah, maybe. Maybe not yet. Yeah, huh? not till the twenty yeah. second. No, no, that is true. No, here, hold it. Hold it. Oh. <laughs> this is the key to my mental health. Okay. Is that on the solstice, the days start getting longer, but before that, the sun starts rising way later and setting a minute later every other day. And so, as of the twelfth, it that was the earliest sunset, and then now. Every, like, three days it sets a little bit later. So I think it's setting at, like, 5 o'clock today or really? tomorrow. Yeah. You joshing me? No, I'm not. No, I talked to everybody about this. Okay. No, I've got a – there's a whole website about it. never heard such a thing. I know. I just found out last year. I, I know things. Um, anyway, we're in the Sound of Vision studio. Yes. <laughs> the recording <laughs> at near sunset. And it's making <laughs> us wonky. But I had an entire giant piece of cake also. Okay, get ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you throw some bookish news at us? Okay, I will. Um, so, uh, it is end of year season for uh, best books and best movies and everything. And uh, the library, um, the bloggers have put together a best of 2017 post. And it should go live on around the 19th. That's the Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So we'll put the link in our show notes when it's ready. And I can't tell you what any of them are. So this is just a big teaser. Yeah. It's going to mm-hmm. be surprise. Yep. yep. I'm interested to see what the crossover is. Between like our taste and like the different lists. Yeah. Different yeah. lists. And I also, I heard that William, mm-hmm. uh, one of our intrepid uh, collection development librarians, is putting together the top lists of what patrons checked I, out. Those are actually year. on Biblio Commons now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he did do it. He got mm-hmm. them up. I'm, that's interesting too to see. Uh, yeah, what our community is. I know that's that's out. really cool. That's my favorite. Um, and I, t- I already said this, but the Raven Bookstore has like that bookshelf. That's all um, like bestsellers in Lawrence, like their their top selling things, which is also really neat. Yeah. Um, okay. So also though, uh, some actual information. Book Riot's 2018 Read Harder Challenge is now live, and um, there's lots of uh, challenge categories. I forgot to count how many there are. Yeah, give me some of the sample categories. Well, these are some. Mm -hmm. One, um, a comic written and illustrated by the same person. Hmm. That's interesting. Lucy Nicely is the first person I thought of. Mm, That food one? Nicely? Nicely? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's got several. But I know... I'm suddenly doubting everything because I think <laughs> – I'm pretty sure she fits. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. We'll look it up. Um, and then also, this will be easy for me, sci-fi novel with a female protagonist by a female author. Mm-hmm. Just reread Parable of the Sower mm-hmm. or read it for the first time if you haven't read it. Are most of are most of N.K. Jemisin are most of – Yeah. 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 Female protagonist. Yeah. Awesome. And I think Nettie Okorafor too. Mm. And actually probably like Ursula K. Le Guin – just, mm-hmm. There's a lot of them. Yeah. We'll make lists of all these things, I think. Um, so then the <laughs> one that I'm really mad about is a book with a cover that you hate. And I think that that's mean. Yeah. Well, Cause, oh, because you're, I mean, it's not. Because I am judgy. Right. And a cover that I hate. Yeah. It's going to have like Comic Sans on it. Right. But it could be a really good book. Maybe it's like Harold and the Purple Crown. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of like, uh, what's her name? Uh, Elise Nutting or something. Oh like yeah, that. yeah. Like she has that one that's. Oh yeah, she's got that it one. Looks from a like years an ago. airbrushed. Um, the new one that she has out. It's like an airbrushed thing you'd get on oh, vacation yeah, on a T-shirt. That one. Uh-huh. It's I did pretty it. hideous. Like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No offense. Elisa. But that book is supposed to be fantastic. Well, you should read that one. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, people choose books by their covers, I and know. so this is this is a challenge. I know. Ugh. This is a hideous cover. Right. 
And I don't want to have to read this book. Yes. <laughs> for the challenge. Yeah. Mm. Um, maybe we could just find a book that you want to read and then find an edition <laughs> that has an ugly cover. I'm just going to wrap that thing in brown paper. Just, yeah. Look at how hideous this is. Mm-hmm. Or read it on the like Kindle. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's Anything bad. Else. Good idea. Uh, and then another one that I wrote down is a book with a female protagonist over the age of 60, which sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, if you need any recommendations for any of the challenge items, let us know. And um, also, the book squad goal, the book squad goals, 2018 challenge is on its way. Yeah, I think this is a thing that people really like to. Yeah, they get ready to start challenging themselves. I see you as we're posting stuff. People are like, "Oh, I was looking for a challenge to do." Mm-hmm. So we got um, you. And I know, and I've had a few friends post on social media recently like that they were trying to finish up their challenge and they had to get some suggestions for a few last things yeah i know my friends uh hannah and simone they both are i think are almost finished if not already finished with the squad goals challenge for this year and i was like you beat me because i quit after a while yeah, well, that's okay, too. But it gruntles me that it, so many people... I'm quite gruntled. I'm quite gruntled that so many folks are, you know, reading. That's nice. Um, okay, so I was going to chat just a little bit about the Library Reads Best of the Best lists mm-hmm. and the January lists, and they're out now. Yeah. And um, I did not bring those with me, but the link will be in the show notes. And I know um, the number one on the Best of the Best lists was Little Fires Everywhere mm-hmm. by Celeste Ng, which, which I did really... talk about. Yeah. Um, and, uh, number one is speaking of good covers, uh, the immortalist by Chloe Benjamin. Oh is, yeah. It's like leaves, leaves, leaves. It's like beautiful. It's like a beautiful tree. Multiple colors and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, and that is, uh, that one's number one in the January yeah. list. Um, but also, uh, what's, uh, woman in the window. Oh is yeah. On that list too. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. creepy. That was creepy yeah. and weird. That one's really good if you like thrillers and if you like noir films mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot of references i missed yeah that one's been that one has been being hyped and i think people are really gonna like it it's mm-hmm. gonna haven't they already optioned it for a movie god i bet yeah, yeah. well which would fit because it it's it's very based on like she's a cinephile mm-hmm. whatever that's a fancy word i know actually i learned that in something i'll mention later okay not in grad school <laughs> <laughs> No. Okay. Just checking. Uh, no. All right. We on to two book minimum two now. Minimum. That was fast. Fast bookish news. All right. We took up some of our time with the sunset <laughs> info. Okay. Sunset news. Uh, well, I am going first, mm-hmm. and I wanted to talk to you about Killers of the Flower Moon, the Osage Murders, and the Birth of the FBI by David Graham. Mm-hmm. So I read this for Social Justice Book Club, and um. I can't, I always forget. Have I mentioned this one before or not? I don't know if I did, but um, it's narrative nonfiction. So uh, if you are a person who's, you know, I don't know, nonfiction, mm-hmm. so dry, it's not dry, it's really great. Mm-hmm. And if you're a person who loves to read nonfiction, this is like it's an extra treat for you. Yeah. Um, it's going to draw you in and keep you reading as long as you don't mind being mad while you're reading. Because this big anger reading is going to make you mad. Um, so it centers on Molly Burkhart and her family, but it really tells the Am story. Am I supposed to know who that is? No. Okay, good. I'm just, just saying the name. Good. No, I'm glad. I, I didn't know if it was like I, so Paul Bunyan. I'm it like, It centers that? on a woman okay, great. named Molly, Molly Burkhart, um, but tells the story of the members of the Osage tribe in the United States. So you probably didn't know this. No. I didn't know this. Uh, people in my book club didn't know this, and then and then that made us mad too because we should know this. So in the 1920s, the richest people per capita in the world were the members of the Osage tribe, the Osage Nation in Oklahoma. What? And the reason they were the richest people per capita is because you know they had gotten marched out of their homeland, of course, uh-huh. and plopped on land that um, the government thought was like. Just this horrible, rocky, uh-huh. junk land. Yeah. And surprise, it's full of oil. Oh, my God. And, and so, was, wow. Yeah. So, um, first of all, I'm like, why Why isn't this ever taught in school? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I mean, no, I mean, I know, you know, sort of the generalities about that, you know, indigenous people were treated poorly mm-hmm. in the United States and were 
you know, slaughtered well, and moved around and all of that stuff. But like this particular, when did that happen? What happened to the, well? How did what happened to their money then? Um, well, did the government pay um, them? So what happened is they um, a really smart gentleman who was a member of the tribe um, and a lawyer um, got it parceled out for people, mm-hmm. so they had the rights to their headlands. Oh, nice. But then a rash of mysterious murders under weird circumstances started Uh happening. And because of the, um, you know, because just because of the way that um, Native Americans were treated at that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm finding out that actually this still happens um, that, you know, they were um, they they had the land was um, theirs. But they had to, um, they were declared incompetent and they mm-hmm. were given, um, you know, a guardian who would um, sort of distribute their money to them. Yeah. And theory. so, um, right. And so that didn't always happen. I mean, there were there were folks living there that, you know, they were driving Rolls Royces and living in mansions and mm. sending their kids like to Europe for mm-hmm. boarding school and stuff like that. Um, but uh there's some folks who just really couldn't access their money and then and then would just die. So, um, you know, like I said, this the the story starts with Molly Burkhart um, and and her some sisters and her family. And so um, because of the, you know, incestuousness of the um, the law in that area, they just couldn't ever seem to solve these crimes mm. like nothing ever got solved. And so then um, the FBI, uh, which didn't exist at that time in the way that it exists now, um, but it, you know, became created because at that time we didn't have like a federal policing system because the the states didn't want one. Uh, Yeah. Uh And so, um, but this, I mean, the only way to solve this this crime was to get it out of the state and have it. So um, J. Edgar Hoover, you know. Mm. Got this was sort of like one of his crowning sort of beginning, you know, to, uh, like made his name with this. And so um, and he was trying to figure out. Who. Well, he uh, it wasn't him. And I'm just I'm blanking on the name of the actual um, investigator who was actually turned out to be a pretty decent guy. Um, but he you know, so he was following the mm. orders from J. Edgar Hoover. Mm. I don't know if Hoover ever, I can't remember if he ever went down there or not himself, but I don't think so. Um, so anyway, it, Gran, you know, has, t- tells the whole story up through, you know, sort of the, you know, when this crime went on, was on the books, you know, it was mm-hmm, solved or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then he's done further investigation that shows that things went even further and even deeper than suspected. And, you know, the, the, couple dozen or a couple dozen murders that they solved um really were like a hundred holy yeah it went way deeper and that the people you know the people who were doing the murders a lot of times were the guardians ah of of course of course of course course. well i mean who shocked i'm not Mm -hmm. shocked Mm -hmm. but um so anyway it was a great book it was not you know it's not something where you're like I want to read about. To be honest, yeah, I've always been like, no thanks. Yeah, this this actually, yeah, yeah, it was very, yeah, it was very interesting. It was Mm interesting. I mean, there was this interesting intersection about these time, this time in our country, and it really was an interesting time where, um, you know, it was right around the time where everything was sort of becoming industrialized, and so, I mean, sometimes when you think of the twenties and you think of, um, like, you can think of the old west kind Mm -hmm. of living in a sort of kind of primitive way. Or uh-huh. if you think about New York, I yeah, mean, New York like in the twenties was, you know, uh-huh. like wall street and Party city. yeah. And so, um, the twenties was a very, yeah. Uh, depending on where you, you know, mm-hmm. polarized time in our country in some ways too. And so, um, in terms of like where people just were, how they were living. Mm-hmm. And so this, you know, this discovery of oil just sort of shoved these folks who were living very close to the land um, did not, you know, possessions were not a thing mm-hmm. for them right. um, in that way and just shoved them into this very 
um, odd circumstance and, you know, it had sort of tragic, um, it was tragic. And so, and still, like, still today they're doing this, Grant is doing this research and he's, um, stays in touch with folks um, from the Osage Nation there. So what's the flower moon? Um, the flower moon, so there are different moons, um, different, oh, yeah. different like tribes different. like have, oh, have oh, different oh. names for the moons. And okay. so the flower moon is like the time when this happened. Oh, okay. or, Got it. Um, and so anyway, it's, it's, it was been a bestseller. It mm-hmm. is, uh, the list yes. is a little bit long. So if you're very interested, get on hold for it right now. Cause it's going to take a little bit to get it. Mm-hmm. It's a national book award finalist and it is being made into a movie. Martin Scorsese, uh, is too direct and, Leo. I love him. Leo DiCaprio. I love him. I love him. Is to star. I bet he's the I bet he's the agent. I bet he's hot no matter what. Oh. This <laughs> I, is, I didn't know this. Oh yeah. 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 Oh. No, he's my longest running celebrity crush. I don't talk about him a lot. Our this. love affair is <laughs> nice and private. But nice and private. Yeah, I mean I used to have did you have posters? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about him right now. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, when he was on, uh, oh, shoot, Growing Pains as like the bad nephew. Oh, he was, unfortunately, oh. I had posters of someone else who was on Growing oh, Pains. Oh, no. I know. I'm so What's embarrassed right now. I can't even say it out Christian loud. Christian something. Nope. Probably right, because it's... <laughs> Starts with a K. I'm oh. not saying it out loud. Let's move along mm-hmm. to okay. my next book. Well, I hope that Leo does not get called out as being sexually um, predatory. Oh, I'm just, I'm just now. If there's anything about anybody, I'm just like, well, what are they going to? Oh, please, anyway, be, this just got please this. end up being a nice person. Okay. okay well, speaking of, yeah, that leads into your next one. Speaking of when guys aren't nice people. Uh, the next book, so it came to me as a gift. I just got it uh, um, and from a publisher, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful cover. Wait. Is it out yet? Yes. Well, it's on order right now. Mm-hmm. And they sent you a copy mm-hmm. of it? Oh, man. Yeah, it's nice. Be- it's beautiful. So Women in Power, a manifesto by Mary Beard. Um, it showed up, and it's lovely. It's a slim volume. Mm-hmm. It would make a really great gift because it's it's actually based on two lectures that Mary Beard delivered, mm. one in 2014 and one in 2017. Ooh. So she took those and then turned them into this manuscript. And she oh. actually um, – there's an afterword that sort of talks about how she did that and um, – how she resist had to clean some things up, but tried to Dude. resist the temptation to go back mm-hmm. now that she, you know, yeah, hindsight. with her hindsight and change things. So um, I haven't gotten all the way through it yet because I just got it yesterday. But it starts with the first recorded incidents of women being silenced, mm-hmm. which is in the Odyssey mm-hmm. when Penelope is silenced by her son, Telemachus, as a way of claiming his manhood. Uh-huh. Uh, I know. I was like, mm, I know my son would not talk to me like that. So, uh, no, he said it was something like, remove yourself and go back into your quarters and, and said, let not your voice be heard in the realm of men or something. She said, I brought you into thine world. <laughs> and I, can, I can take bring you thou out. out of it. <laughs> I think you're confusing the Odyssey with anything William Shakespeare wrote. I don't know. But so anyway, I mean, she actually really does a, a, a good job of sort of breaking this down, that maleness, like at that time, especially um, in the Greco-Roman mm-hmm. sort of world, maleness and uh, was equated with public speaking. Right. Like be, you know, yeah, being able to do yeah, this yeah, oratory yeah, yeah. is like a big deal. Um, and it, mm-hmm. uh, um, it sort of drew that line between like, mm-hmm. and, you know, women's voices were, you know, in writing were referred to as braying or gapping or barking or you know i mean mooing i mean just mm -hmm. yeah so um you know so there's this sort of uh very entrenched you know western Mm -hmm. classical um idea that women are not to be heard and so um and that men should be heard so she really she examines that um how women, the public voice of women came to be silenced. And um, so she says, it's quote, as far back as we can see in Western history, there is a radical separation 
real, cultural, and imaginary between mm. women and power. And so then the second part of the book, um, she she really tries to draw, well, the, through the whole book, she draws parallels between how the classics have laid that groundwork for separating women from power and the mechanisms Literary still used today. Um, like, yeah, I, I mean, mean, like, okay, right. cla- like well, classic works that have uh-huh. permeated us, like, you know, like she just, she talks about, Medusa and uh-huh. and then you know I mean that's fit all into my philosophy. I know. Oh, that was good. So um yes, so then you know but she talks like now women are really silenced mm. um in a lot of ways online. Yeah, it's a huge way and so right. she, I mean she's had some horrible things I said to her bet. online. And you know oh most God. of her writing like this is the only thing most of her writing is all about like ancient Rome. Mm-hmm. Um ancient like like ancient civilizations you know she's a classic scholar and um so the the new yorker called her on the back of the book her the little blurb was like troll slayer (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome and i was like yes and uh you know she she's like in the little beginning you know you're on the book flap like the last sentence as you're like going into it is like how many more centuries should we be expected to wait I mean, yeah, it's sent. It, we're talking about, yeah, you know, yeah, long, long time, a long time. It's not just more than centuries, yeah. Right. And when you think, and so when people say, "Aren't isn't aren't we equal oh, yet?" God. You know what I mean? It's uh-huh. it's no. I mean, no, no. So, or else she'd be able to say anything without being having given rape and death threats, right? I mean, and it's just <gasps> like I mean, I it's anyways. So my rage has fueled me. Yeah, sorry. Well, but. that's where I like things like, uh, so I have never read The Odyssey, nor mm-hmm. maybe will I, but um, I did. but I did go see my, speaking of grad school, uh, <laughs> my classmates put on the Penelope ad, which is the Margaret Atwood um, retelling mm-hmm. of that through Penelope's mm-hmm. um, voice. And that stuff I like. So that's, yeah, that's really interesting yeah. when authors take things and then. Take something where a woman's been silenced and then mm-hmm. make it their own. Um, well, did you ever read um, The Song of Achilles? No, I did not. The one that one's that, on my list. Yeah, that's uh, that might be. Yeah, Meredith loves mm-hmm. that one. That might be an interesting sort of entry into the world of the Odyssey, too, in a way that is not gross. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, well, my first one actually sort of interestingly, goes a bit with your first one. Hmm. All right, mine are both fiction. Um, The first one is, I have to write this title down every time. The Last Report on the Miracles of Little No Horse by Louise Erdrich, my love. Um, I listened to the digital audiobook on Hoopla. Um, Who reads it? Anna Fields is her name. On here, and that stump you this time. That is the no, I wrote it down. That is the pseudonym of a woman named Kate Fleming, and she did an amazing job. Um, I don't know why she has a pseudonym for audio, I have no clue, but well, you just told everybody. No, it's like public knowledge because so this is why is because this woman of whatever name died 11 years ago yesterday, um, in a flash flood in her apartment in Seattle. Oh. Yeah. And so I was Googling, like, I didn't know this. And so I was Googling Anna Fields. And then everything was like, Kate Fleming dies. And I was like, that's not who I'm looking up. And then. But it was who you were yeah. So, um, but she does an incredible job with. Um, okay, here, I'll, I'll tell you the plot first. Uh, okay, so Louise Erdrich usually writes, um, if you've read any of her novels or if not, um, mm-hmm. she there's a fictional North Dakota community of Ojibwe, Ojibwe people. And um, she incorporates a lot of, like, Ojibwe words into um, – and she doesn't always – what I kind of like is that she doesn't always tell, always tell you what she's saying. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. someone will say a long sentence and then then they will repeat it in English or whatever. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they don't. And so you just have to kind of go on context or Google. What that might But mean. I was laying in bed, so I didn't Google. But um, <laughs> I just assumed that it was whatever she was saying was very smart. Um but so Anna Fields does a really amazing job with the accents and uh, and pronunciation. And I guess one of her characteristics um, in all of her narration is that she tries really hard to nail the pronunciation um, of different languages and things. So that was really great. Nice. Uh, so a woman um, in this community 
She goes from being a nun to being a married woman Mm. to a victim in a heist to a widow and then becomes a male Catholic priest, which she remains for the next 70 years or so. What? What? Yeah. Uh, That, like, the gender swapping sort of thing, Uh which intrigued me, but um, also, like, just her general storytelling was... So was she... Was she just... I can't tell you. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Was she... So was she... Did she she transition or was she just posing? She was just posing the whole time. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and she and they go into how she did that and why. And is this based on a true story? I don't think so. Okay. No, because so Father Damien, yeah, Father Damien is the main protagonist, and it takes place from like nineteen. The book takes place from like nineteen twelve into nineteen ninety six because he lives forever. Mm. Um, and uh, there's like a mystery involved, and there's some like spiritual aspects and um some like. Magical realism, and it's just really cool. She's just such a beautiful storyteller. I really liked it. Um, but I'm also then now, bonus, reading Tracks by Louise Erdrich, and um, it was written, let's see, last report was written in 2001, and Tracks was written in like 90, or no, 88, did I, what did we do? Was it 11 years? We counted 13. that. 13 years. Okay, right. yeah. Yeah, we counted this at some okay. Um, But that one's taking place, like, around the same exact time period. Um, so the stories sort of overlap, but you get a different perspective. This, none of this is making any sense. But the whole point was that it's taking place, like, in 1918 to 1920s. And they are in, obviously, North Dakota, and so they're not dealing with the oil. Um, but they do deal a lot with with the government trying to take their land for logging um, um, and yeah. like just having to jump through so many hoops for maintaining the registration on their family land and um, different like tribes kind of, or different, different um, families going in with the government and then betraying other families and stuff. So it's, it was really, that part's really interesting. Mm. Um, and so those are all like a nice depressing yes. reading collection. Yeah. That, so um, the, the same nonfiction and the fiction. Yeah, same, same time, time period. A little different part of the country. Different, terrible things. That would be interesting. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. I do like her writing. and I Yeah. I really do. And I am amazed with how she keep, like ties all, all of these books together that she's mm-hmm. written over decades. Yeah. Um, she just has well, there is a, have this incredible thing on her wall. I know. You know just I know. Tying and everything together. There is someone published a book that is a reader's guide to Louise Erdrich's novels. And, and so it's like all of the characters and what book each of them come into and how all the minor characters show up later and like different family trees. And, you know, and I mean, like there are in like in this in both the books that um, that I read of hers just this week, um, the one male character, he's got three different wives one of them is like the ex, the widow of his best friend who passed away, who had four different wives, and then and then you have to keep track of like the children that they all had, and uh. then there's a lot of things where like someone's child dies, and so then he's adopted them or whatever. So like the family trees are just <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> it's amazing, but you kind of get a feel for it, and you're like, oh yeah, they died, and then that's who took over, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's it's like a. It's like a TV show. It's like a TV series, but in a book. Yeah. <laughs> no way. And does this book tell you like which order you should read her books in? No, and it really there no, there's not because there's not an order. No, there's not an Doesn't order. Okay. No, I don't think it does. Um, because like like I said, so the one that she wrote in '88, she just I guess decided to tell this that same similar time period from a completely different angle 13 years later, and so. No, I would say read Love Medicine first is my usual advice. Okay. But you don't have to. Oh, it's just it's so much. Anyway, <laughs> right, cool. I have another book. Um, Goodbye Vitamin by Rachel Kong. That one came out in 2017. It's uh, it, it's quite a bit of feels in um, fewer than 200 pages. The protagonist, uh, her name is Ruth, and she leaves her job and her apartment in, I think, San Francisco to move in. Uh, with her parents in a different city in California, I believe, um, 
She's living there for a year. She keeps saying it's temporary. And this is after her dad gets diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, she's there to help her mom cope and keep an eye on her dad um, and recover from a really devastating breakup. Um, and it, it all that all sounds like a big downer. Um, and it is It's in some points. But it's also, she's like really fun. The protagonist is really funny and awkward. And um, you just... You just like smile. She's she's so charming, and the dad is heartbreakingly charming. Um, and like, there's this one scene where they find the dad's pants and different clothing <laughs> items like strewn into trees all across like the town. And um, I think like someone's bringing back these pants and are like, "Do these belong to your dad?" And then Ruth is like, "Look, she looks over, and her dad is there and wearing a different pair of pants." And he was just mad that they had to write his name in them because he's lost them before. And right. so in, like, a moment of clarity, he, like, has had thrown them out the window and stuff. And so, it like, which is sad and funny. Yeah. I don't know. It's It was really charming. That's how life is. Yeah. Sad and funny. All the time. Well, that book has been intriguing me because I'm... It's so small. It, well, in the title of it, you're like, what is that even yeah, mean? Yeah. And the cover's beautiful. Yeah, and it really is. color. Yeah, I'm just... And I, I think it's one of those where I'm like, yeah, yeah, I should, I should really look at that one. It is and really I fast. Haven't. Okay. Fast. And also, I, if I remember correctly, it's like, so it's like 196 pages. And I don't, and I think that the pages are like sparsely well, laid out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it even goes faster than that. Okay. Um, well, all right then. Gosh, so, so that, that was, was two yeah. book minimum, but it was, we talked a long time. It was almost two like book. two book maximum. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's see. That was featuring... Um, Killers of the Flower Moon and Women in Power, uh, The Last Report on the Miracles of Little No Horse, and Goodbye Vitamin. Now is time. She's Are you ready for this? She said. She said. I think so. We both. We're both processing this book a well, lot we're still. We're still processing it. Let's say what it is, and I want to read again. Yeah. Uh, so, Hope in the Dark. Is the book that we are reading um, or have read? Queen Rebecca Solnit. Still, yes, by Rebecca Solnit. It was originally published in 2004, republished in 2016. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, an edition came out between then. Yeah. 2009. Or something, something, yeah. Okay, so why don't you do the description? Okay. Hope in the Dark was written. <laughs> <laughs> I can only read. I can only read out loud if I do a voice. Do a voice because I get too embarrassed otherwise. Yeah, weird. I'll try not to. Okay. Hope in the dark was a no. <laughs> that's a different voice. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh. Hope in the dark was written in 2004 to counter the despair of radicals at a moment when they were focused on their losses and had turned their backs to the victories behind them. This was right after Bush got mm-hmm. elected the second, the second time. And we were like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, turn the back on the victories behind them and the unimaginable changes soon to come, for better or for worse. Uh, in it, she, re- she makes a radical case for hope as a commitment to act in a world whose future remains uncertain and unknowable. Right. And, yeah. uh, and she makes the case that uncertain and unknowable is a good That's thing. That's the thing that I have talked to my therapist about after reading this book. <laughs> I was like, I don't believe it. An uncertain, <laughs> unknowable is a good thing. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, we don't want the future to be written. We we want people to feel like they can be the authors mm-hmm. of the future. Yeah, but That's, you just don't know who has the pen. <laughs> to we all that. have the pen. Yeah, okay. I know, but who has a big pen? Mm, okay, right. You're... <laughs> I take your point. So, um, so that yes, is what. I, so this is a. So this book was just a very. Uh, it was very chewy. Like uh-huh. I was, was just gonna say meaty, meaty, <laughs> We're chewy. Yeah, I could take a little it's snack right time. now. I could. I could have a. I could have a bite to eat. Mm-hmm. So it was. Um, it's different. It doesn't. It's not like it felt almost like an academic mm-hmm. book, but it wasn't particularly academic. It was different essays of hers, right? Yes. Okay, and they mm-hmm. were, and so sometimes one one critique that I heard in my book club and that I also had was, it's kind of a lot to take in all at once mm-hmm. because some of the essays, like or the portions, were sort of repetitive. They in, were right, and mm-hmm. and that was kind of good. 
um, because it really hits at home. Right. Um, but if you were bored to begin with, then, then it's not going to be good. <laughs> did you have some people who were bored I did. to begin with? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was, I think that that was the thing that almost made it harder for me, the the repetitiveness, because mm. I think, I I don't know, my brain was like, wait, we read this oh. before. Mm-hmm. And then I would get things mixed up. Like mm-hmm. I would mix up which essays were about which things mm-hmm. because... Yeah, Almo- like case. sometimes they were almost verbatim, like yeah. very similar sentences. I wonder why um, she did that. I don't know. I mean, I guess because if I've written an essay, it's written. I know. And I'm not going to go back and tinker with it well, because I'm putting another essay next to it. I mean, maybe someone well, maybe would. Maybe don't put the other. N- I don't know. I don't write a book. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, but but it. Um, that I guess that is. Yeah, that would be one criticism. And it didn't. You know, I wasn't like, oh, I hate this book because of it. I just. It felt like it kind of feels like deja vu when you're, mm-hmm. yeah. and I listened to it, and so yes. there was definitely deja vu because I was like, did I fall asleep? Yeah, I and- did. I I read some and listened to some, and so um, that was, and and then I even read along while I was listening. That's smart. That how did that how did that that go for was you? actually I think that was pretty good. Okay, that kind of drilled it home because the acad- so the sort of academic language can be kind of a lot to. Mm-hmm listen to and then if i'm just reading it i'm going to just close my eyes right up i had a little i'm having you know i'm having that it's dark and i want to go to sleep Mm -hmm. so getting that reading done at night has been a little hard so Mm -hmm. um so i let's talk about let's talk about how we felt about it let's talk about our feelings Um, so you said you you said you had to talk to your therapist about this book well, because I took the quote, okay, so I took the quote, like, spoiler alert, I have a lot of control issues. This is a thing that you'll know if you have spent one minute with me. So reading, here, let me find this quote. Mm-hmm. Rustling the papers on the podcast. Um, this specific stinking line. Okay, it says, hope locates itself in the premises that we don't know what will happen. Mm-hmm. And that in the spaciousness of uncertainty is room to act. That goes absolutely against my gut feeling. Why? Because Why I think? because I mean this is going to turn into my psychotherapy hour. But <laughs> I feel like uncertainty to me, and I think like culturally, uncertainty just feels like such a lack of control, or like a lack of agency. You know, because mm-hmm. you're like. You don't know what's going to happen. And I mean, it's kind of like if you move to a new place, you don't know how that's going to go or what's going to happen, you know, and that could be scary or you can you can mm-hmm. tell yourself that it's it's, you know, it gives you plenty of space to do new things. Right. It's just it's, it's the story that you tell yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, I yeah. And the, what did you say? The spaciousness of yeah. uncertainty is room uh-huh. to act, because I think maybe some people if they felt like everything was already written or mm-hmm. you couldn't affect change, um, then why do anything? Know, right. Why do anything? So, I mean, what if you really, if you believe that, if you believe that you need to have that certainty, then what keeps you acting? Well, because I'm certain that I'm right all the time is probably. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Lord. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, what keeps you... Well, what, I mean, right. what keeps, I mean, that's what, and I think that was her, I mean, the things that I really took out of this mm-hmm. were things that I alternately, I, I mean, I really believe it. And I try to impress this on people I talk to when we're having arguments or debates or mm-hmm. discussions um, mm-hmm. about that change, um, change is, is not. A linear thing. Right. It's, you know, I mean, I can't even remember the, I'm sure it's in that list of quotes, but it's something like, you know, it jigs and jogs and mm-hmm. it's like a, it's a dripping of water yeah, and then a, right. and then an earthquake and mm-hmm. then a slide to the left and then, you know what I mean? So, um, and two steps forward and a step back and, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it, that's how, that's how change works. Right. And so. Um, and I think that we have such a. What's it called? A culture of um, like wanting instant gratification. I think there's that. I think there's also a very valid argument that I think people will make because I think it is a valid argument is that um, 
much like Mary Beard just said, you know, like how many more centuries do we have to wait? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's that feeling, right. especially I think people who have been really negatively impacted yeah. by being marginalized in some way are like, I am tired uh-huh. of waiting. And it just but feels I, patronizing uh-huh. to be like... Just wait a little longer. Right. But I don't think that's what she's saying. I think what she, I, uh-huh. because she's right. definitely saying to act. Yeah. She's definitely saying never give up, mm-hmm. never stop, because that's, because that's life. And mm-hmm. I, ooh, there was a piece that I, and I wish I would have written this down. Like this came to me while I was reading it. Um, I mean, it was almost like, you know, the beauty's in the struggle mm-hmm. and the life is in the struggle. And that if we had the utopia. Oh, yeah. We would. Okay. We get bored of it in a minute. And and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean if things if there was equity and if we were, yeah, you know, think, right. But, but um, that we would, you know, our humanity comes from the struggle. And that reminded me of Man's Search for Meaning, the Viktor mm. Frankl book, oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. that was really the premise of that book is that, um, you know, that's what makes us human is that, you know, the constant push to change and make things different or better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're always, we're not always in agreement with each other about what better is. Right. And so there's always this tension and push and pull in humanity to decide, you know, which direction we should be going in. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I thought that that was, to me, that was really valuable. She took a lot of time to point out the things that, that did that we were successful with. And so that's actually, I mean, I think a little bit, that's what made the book a bit of a slog, but it was good because it was like, remember when we did this victory, remember when we had this March and remember yeah. when this happened. Yeah. And then the other thing that I, that really stuck with me was when she said, <clears throat> a lot of our best victories look like nothing happened. Yes. So, yes. Because it's preventing something terrible from yeah. happening. Yes. So like that neutrality being taken. Right. Away. That would have not. Then, yeah. Right. Anyway, yes. But yeah, so right. So our a lot of our our best victories look like nothing happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the river wasn't polluted. Right, exactly. The, right, the animal didn't go extinct. Right, you know the whatever. Yeah, and, and that that really puts a lot of things in perspective. Mm-hmm. It does because I, um, you know, and I and I, she definitely that this book skews towards environmental. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and I think she does, she does make an argument that, you know, without environmental justice, like there's nothing else. Mm -hmm. Like if we, if we don't, if we don't, if this isn't our bedrock, then there's nothing else. And so for someone who like, if their struggle is for a different kind of justice, Mm -hmm. this might feel like, well, you didn't address, Mm -hmm. you didn't address the thing I was concerned about. Um, And so, but I think she, I mean, I think that's actually a really fair point. Like we all live on this planet and, you know, that I guess it could be a very unifying experience if the planet just started to experience a horrible meltdown. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen it in a lot of movies where everybody's fighting amongst each other. And then when the aliens come, we all suddenly sing Kumbaya and let's, you know. Mm -hmm. So that reminds me of one of the parts, uh, like the the beauty of coming together in disaster, like she points out, like after nine, like yes. when nine eleven was happening, before the media sort of twisted into this whole terrorist thing, mm-hmm. you know, this whole right. like fear tactic. Everybody, everybody who w- was so different, you know, um, came together and we're we're just we're saving each other. Mm-hmm. And there was oh, there was one part where there was like. A Jewish guy and a and the, else and the and Muslim, yeah. yeah, and they like saved each other, and I was just like, yeah. ah, because, yeah, I mean, and yeah, and that, and, that, and she said, you know, there was no nobody was no one was looting, nobody mm-hmm. was, um, you know, like n- nothing, like people were just so intent on the saving of each yeah. other, uh-huh. you know, um. And nobody was, no one was sitting around being like, I'm so angry this thing happened right mm-hmm. now. It mm-hmm. was like, no, this thing like, happened. Let's act. And how yeah. can we c- come together to save each other? Right. And, you know, that's a, I mean, I think like, I was thinking like the times when people do get angry and take to the streets mm-hmm. is because nobody's saying something bad happened to you. Mm-hmm. Let me come side by side with you mm-hmm. and decide how to, like, yeah. how I can help fix this yeah. with you. Yeah. 
you know, it's just that that particular group is left alone yeah. to struggle and deal with, you know. So that's how when something bad happens, instead of turning into a, a moment for us to rise above, it turns into a moment for anger just mm-hmm. to spill out. So, um, you know, I think and, and that's a really important message of this book, too, is that, you know, we are all going to have to just commit to acting like all of the time. And I think, and you are going to have to acquiesce to the idea that you never get to stop yeah. acting. Like, like the there's, we're always going to have to save the whales yeah. while there are whales. Yes. Yeah. Like there will never be a time, which I think maybe can sound exhausting to people. Yeah. But it sounds exhausting. It does sound exhausting. I'm not thinking about it. Uh-huh. Yeah, there was a quote about joy in there, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, she has a whole other section, too. She has a section where she talks about self-care and what I that means. I have a question about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, joy. I wish I could do a keyword search on paper. That would be a lot <laughs> easier if I could just do a Control-F on... Uh, oh, this app, isn't oh, an episode app. of The Jetsons. Well, this says... Uh, yeah. Joy doesn't betray but sustains activism. That one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean there was a she talked a lot about that it, where mm-hmm. some people kind of felt like Oh, if as you long as you're the- yeah, as long as you're right, a couple a couple things. I mean, as long as you're an activist, you should always be wearing your hair shirt. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you should never be yeah, experiencing moments of joy because right. someone yes. somewhere mm-hmm. is having a rough go of it mm-hmm. at this very yeah, moment. Like some animals dying right now. Yeah. Um, yes. Um and to that, she says, pooey. Yes. <laughs> Jaw gone. Yeah. Um, I think she says to that. And then also, what was the second thing? No. Was it self-care? Were you talking about? That's what, okay. So here's my question. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't think it's like answerable necessarily, but uh, so uh, how did I write it down over here? <laughs> this is a very paper focused podcast. Okay. What's the line between... Self-care, where you are avoid, like you are taking a break from the inundating, terrible news, mm-hmm. you know, versus sticking your head in the sand. Like, when do you know to like tap out and be like, okay, I'm gonna take a take a time off, and then like, wh- like when is that? Uh, how do you know when that's the best thing to do so you right. avoid burnout, or or how do you know? Because sometimes people will do it, but then they'll actually, like, I'm taking a break from all the news. And it's like, well, then you're not paying any attention anymore. I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, do you, do you feel like she answered it in the book? Do you feel like she touched on that? I think she did, but I think that, I don't know. It feels to me like so much has changed since 2016 even, you know. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, I think that. I mean, and what does, like, what does take a break from the news mean to you? Like, I mean, a, a person might just, you know, get the New York Sunday Times mm-hmm. and read through that and then not engage with the news the rest of the week, mm-hmm. not be on social media, mm-hmm. not, you know, not even listen to NPR or just a regular radio station, whatever. Yeah. Um, and because they might. They, so they, they're getting news, mm-hmm. they're reading it, they're not getting it, they're not on the 24-7 news cycle. Right. Um, but they're they're up on what's happening in the world, and, and then I guess they I'm go about their business. That sounds, you know? that sounds like a nice balance. Because, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of people, like, I, I'm positive there are people who live out in the forest and don't aren't connected to anything mm-hmm. and oh, I think are people who live in the suburbs and aren't connected right. <laughs> you know? but are like you know saving salmon out oh, there right, or right. what you yes, know what i mean like yes. they're doing yeah. they're doing yeah. something they're instead of like instead of being uh-huh. connected to their uh-huh. device and just filtering the news they're actually just doing something yeah you know, okay, they're maybe, actually maybe just, like taking a break like from news and from the action you know yeah i don't know i don't know well i mean I think it's, I think that's individual. I mean, I think, I think that's actually individual for everyone. I do, I do feel like she addresses that in the book mm-hmm. about like what action might look like mm-hmm. for you because it's not going to look like everybody's, everyone's going to have different action. 
um, you might want to march in the streets. You might want to write letters. Right, exactly. Yeah. You yeah. might want to, that, that you know, yeah. um, that it will look different. You might want to send money. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it looks different for different people depending on their life circumstances. So I don't know. I think maybe we're put, maybe we've, because of, because of, you know, what we see in our, like the, in social media, because we're uh, very connected yeah. to social media. Yeah, we are, yeah. you know, we feel like constantly, okay, I need to write a letter for that and I need to send mm-hmm. money for that. And then I need to be at this vigil and then I need to mm-hmm. go to this thing. And then, you know what I mean? Because we're not, I think we're just listening to the noise and we're not getting, I don't know. And maybe I we know. need to filter the thing that we feel like we can do mm-hmm. and, and commit to. I think that takes a lot of soul searching. It does. Yeah. It sounds like an awful lot of soul It does. Searching. And I don't think, I mean, I think when you, like, just as I was saying that, I was hearing another person say, well, isn't that nice that mm-hmm. you can. I know. That's, isn't that nice yeah, exactly. that you can like, decide. Is it just enacting privilege to be able to choose the, you know, focus you're going to have? Because, like, I'm not experiencing certain things every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, I mean, uh, that I, I think maybe if we sat down with Rebecca, mm-hmm. had a glass of wine, yeah. chat a little bit, hey, that, that might be why, and maybe she even said it in the book and I missed it, but like, um, you know, she's a white educated mm-hmm. woman of some mm-hmm. economic privilege. Mm-hmm. And so for her focusing on the environment is, you know, it, because maybe it's that seems more esoteric for people who are in right now, right. like in a in a marginalized group and fighting for that particular it, marginalized yeah. group's rights. Yeah. So for that's where it's hard for me to for right. me to think like environment but, is the most. I mean, obviously, yeah. But the d- but then some thing, people, some point, someone has to fight for the uh-huh, environment, right. and and if she's not experiencing that right. sort of trauma within a marginalized group, then why not her? Oh, yeah. I you agree. Know. I agree. Why not I just her? think it's hard to prescribe. Not that she was doing that, but I think it's hard to prescribe that to people who don't have the same privileges as you do. Yeah. Well, I think she wouldn't. That's why I think mm-hmm. she would say, you know, I mean, I guess maybe the argument then is like, okay, well, if you go off and fight for the environment and you mm-hmm. leave all people of color to just fight yeah. for racism. Uh-huh. Then, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's what she's saying. No. But see, this is the problem. Ooh. 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 I think we're, I think Ooh. we're touching on the problem. What is it? Is I think we're, we're just like getting reductionist about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we can't well, but even you ha- have, I mean, you have to be able to have a small book and a podcast conversation. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, I think this is what, she, this is what I think this book is is supposed to do is that you read it (laughs) and you have these conversations and Mm -hmm. you think through it Mm -hmm. and you um you know because she's very much about everyone wants to you know naysay that you've done it wrong Mm -hmm. you shouldn't you know why are you celebrating that it's not done i can't remember what she said like i know um and it's just like stop it yeah i mean okay so for an example, last year, um, oh shoot, there was a, there was a March rally downtown Lawrence, and I can't remember if it was right after was it right after the election or right after inauguration, but it was like a um, a rally uh, against the the forty fifth president. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Well, and it was organized by these high schoolers who were so freaking brave, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, I mean, they're dealing with being in high school, which is the most miserable time of your life, you know, and they put together this, this march and it was, there was a huge turnout and then they faced criticism from several other people for, for, for one thing or another, you know, for it not being like this utopic rally. Mm -hmm. And that just made me so sad because... Not only, I mean, does that distract from the joy of having put together something amazing, mm-hmm. but it also gets you out of doing your own dang rally, right. you know? Yeah. And that's why I think I really liked that what she said about how optimism and pessimism are ultimately both useless in the wrong, in the same ways, more or less, because right. 
you know, if you're certain that everything is going to work out, then you're excused. Or if you're certain nothing is going to work out, then, then you're, you're excused. excused right? So, yeah. So you you just keep... There's that tension of just, like, mm-hmm. just not knowing. Right. And so, like, you don't know that everything is not going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that, but you do know if you don't do yeah. anything about it... The chances of it being terrible are greater. Are greater. Right. Mm-hmm. And the chances of it not turning out the way you want it to turn out are greater because there's someone yes. on the other side yeah. of whatever this view is who are on the 10 other sides, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, who are at the same time thinking that their solution is the right, right. solution. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was just I, – I think it's I think it's a book that you have to – revisit mm-hmm. i think you need to read it at least twice mm-hmm. maybe not back to back right mm-hmm. read it find so someone to, to have a discussion yeah. with mm-hmm. or several someones like read a book club because there might like be a book, book club in a bag <laughs> there might be there is yes library <laughs> there is a book club in a bank and uh yeah this would be a great one for your book club to check out if you have a book club and and have this same discussion because or heck, even just like a group of five people like it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. an official book club but yeah yeah well some book clubs only are five get people. some wine have four people over mm-hmm. and then have a sleepover because you'll be drinking yourself <laughs> into a fury <laughs> we'll talk about it i just i it made me i think it made me feel i think i i think the book did what it was supposed to do i felt more hopeful Mm-hmm. When I was done reading it, because I felt like, and maybe it reinforced my my worldview already, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely a person who feels like it, you know, you don't get life without struggle. Mm-hmm. That no, I mean, when someone says life, I mean, I, when. What's the, that quote about uh, being the, no, it's, it's, oh, dang it. I don't know. Never mind. Is it in the papers? No. Well, you know. Someone else's quote. Oh. Um, <laughs> but it's... Uh, I get... Uh, our, like activism is the... Is the... Is the... Something you pay for the thingy and the stuff. Oh. Uh, well, Marion Wright Edelman, who is my hero of all times, yeah. says service That's is the, the rent you pay That's for it. living. <laughs> Thank you. Service is the rent you pay for living. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think that's true, but I think service and struggle are, can be the same thing or they don't have to necessarily be the same thing. But, but I mean, you come, you come from that background of. You give back. You keep like, working. You yeah. keep working. And even if you only have a little bit to give, you probably have a little bit more than somebody else mm-hmm. and everybody's contribution helps. And whatever that contribution is. You know, you need to make Mm -hmm. that. I mean, that's what that is part of our current struggle, I think, is there's a whole lot of armchair quarterbacking about Uh what an appropriate amount of service is or what an appropriate amount of advocacy is or what an appropriate amount. You know, I mean, there's a there's a lot of people who are lining up to tell you how you're not doing it right and there, and some of that, and the thing is, is that some of that feedback is valuable and it's something that we need. But then I think this book helps you process that feedback and say, okay, thank uh-uh. you. Uh-huh. And I will now keep on keeping on in the way that I'm going. And I might make a change because of something you told me, or I might not. Oh, so perfection is a stick with which to beat the possible. Yeah. That's I mean, I get the sense that nothing is impossible mm-hmm. is the other piece that she wants us to take away. Because once you've decided, you know, the only thing that you should consider an impossibility is that you will one day be able to just stop and rest right. and not have to ever yeah. be an advocate for anything again. Because that's not going to happen. She's very clear that this is a, this is a, this is, this is yeah. your life mm-hmm. and this is, the next generation's life. And this is every generation of humans ever will need to struggle for progress. You know, I mean, but also there's joy, but <laughs> any, pro- any progress there is to be made just will, just will take your whole life. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and I think that instead of like, if you're looking at like, ah, Sweden's 
Taylor's thing on (laughs) maternal leave is so much more amazing, you know, and then Mm -hmm. you get like mad at Sweden for being greater. So like, like instead of focusing on why can't I live in Sweden, it's more like, how can I make Sweden? Right. How can I bring that? Can I bring a little Sweden to you? Right. Yeah. I don't know if that's possible (laughs) though, but. (laughs) Now I'm thinking of the Swedish chef. Maybe it's time to move along. Okay. Well, that was deep. That was deep. But mm-hmm. I, I definitely, I've been recommending this book to everybody mm-hmm. and not because it was like, what a great read. No, but it's it like, was what a, a thinker. <laughs> it was a necessary read for right now, mm-hmm. I think. Although and, I would really like to know her thoughts on since like Standing Rock and since. Yeah, and since I mean, I think that that was, I mean, she very much, she talked about actions like that in the book. Mm-hmm. Um so, and then that was an eye opener. That was the other thing we both said was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't, realize, mm-hmm. I didn't know a lot mm-hmm. about this stuff that happened. Yeah. Like I want to know more about Zapatistas. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know anything about these things. Mm-hmm. And it was because I was it's not put in history books. No. But yeah. it, and, or, and, or, you know, I was in high school or mm-hmm. I, you know, was in college. You know I mean? I just. But also I don't, I don't think it was out there. Yeah. It just, it was not, it was not very mainstream. So, um. So yeah, there's a lot to lot to learn, lot to know from this book, but we should uh, stop reading and start talking <laughs> so about always be start reading. talking about what we can't always be reading. What are you up to this week, Polly? Okay, uh, oily potatoy goodness. Mm. Uh, it's latke season, mm-hmm. and my body is ready. <laughs> Um, the upside of that is I will not have to be moisturizing at all this You're week. Greasing everything. I will just, you know, <laughs> I will just be creating just my own. Be perfect. Um, yeah. The downside is is that my house smells like fried food until Valentine's Day. <laughs> That's um, not a downside. I mean, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean. Maybe it's a downside because when you walk in, you're like, oh, that's that was from three months ago. Yeah, there's, there's, no, there's nothing here. <laughs> womp, womp. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then the other thing is I need to get caught up on my holiday viewing. Um, so far, I have I have a list in my head. I don't ever have it written down. But I, mm-hmm. Emmett Otter's Drug Band Christmas. Yeah, that's your favorite. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Oh, when the when the river bottom nightmare band wins and then you know ma and emmett find out that all they really needed was each other oh god <laughs> Ooh, okay uh and the family stone oh my god i know that was all that was that's cry. also yeah that's a laugh and cry though <laughs> yes it is um so i've i've seen emmett otter i've seen family stone this I've year seen, you have yeah i've oh. seen die hard nice oh oh and i forgot elf and then i saw elf mm. um so I've got some other ones I need to catch up on. Is Love Actually one of yours? Yes. Okay. I love Love Actually. Love love. So, oh, we won't talk a long yeah, time about this. <laughs> but um, but I uh, I know some people are haters, but I love, I love it. Actually, yeah. yeah. And I think, here's the thing. I think my kids would love it. And, you know, now they're all, uh-huh. they're all able to watch rated R movies. Yeah. yeah. But... There's just the one oh, couple. the porn couple. Yes. Yeah. Well, you can't watch I it mean, with them. I can't watch it with them. You don't them. see anything, though. No. You, well, you can come I mean, you see side boob. You see some stuff. No, you see some stuff. You do? Oh. But. I blocked out. <laughs> but. But but then you don't also. It's mm-hmm. so like. And it's just so sweet. It's so sweet. And they're and so like nervous. clean and they make it together. And it's like, it's, and you know, it's John Watson. Mm-hmm. It's Bilbo Baggins. Uh-huh. Well, that's not selling it. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so I just think they would really love it if they watched it. And so, well, I'm, you should just have them all watch it I'm together. Be like, and then hey, you can peek in and be like, "Hey, why did this happen? Did this happen? <laughs> why don't you guys watch it and then we can talk about it?" But um, and I'm not even like a big prude. I just know that they get super yeah. embarrassed yeah. when we watch a movie, and there's anything even mom. remotely mm-hmm. sexy times yeah. that happens. And so. Um, that's but so funny. I just, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It, I love it. Oh, man. Yeah, we could have a whole episode. Okay. Let's nope. do a whole right. episode on it. Okay. I've got thoughts. But uh, I've actually watched a thing on the screen for the first time ever it's, in a long time. Yeah. I watched She's Gotta Have It, the reboot on Netflix. Uh, I binged the whole season, um, which was like 10 episodes, and they're only 30 minutes apiece. So it wasn't that big of a time commitment, but it was most of one night and then the next morning. Um, and I love it. I love it so much. I miss Mars. I just love, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And <laughs> well, uh, watch it. I never watched the original. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably don't want to. I know. The ends, ends, 
and Spike Lee has like talked about how he regrets a lot of things in the original, which I find refreshing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so this is kind of like a way to make up for some of his mistakes in the in the original. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, that's my main thing. And then also I'm in the process of splitting up my Third Thursday book club into second and third Thursday mm-hmm. and uh, trying to remember who is who and what book we're reading and where we're going. You're just... I know. Getting, well, we can't talk about that. That's reading. Oh, yes. Yeah. This is a segment where we no, don't the talk book clubs, about reading. This is like uh, I'm writing down names and <laughs> I'm talking, uh, figuring out. Yeah, talking okay. about those. Well, that's going to be – that'll be nice, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice. Book clubs are book clubs are hard when they get too big. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like great that it's successful. A ton of people are coming. But it gets hard to have those. like I can't hear anybody. Yeah. We like to have those. I mean, look how long we can talk and it's just the two God. of us. I mean – I know. All right. So <laughs> let's talk about what's happening at LPL or around town. Well, uh, most of these are going to be show notes links, um, so we'll do it fast. Winter Reading Bingo is uh, in progress. Bingo! <laughs> yes. Sorry, I have to uh, do that. All age info is on our website. I'll link to that. Um, and then uh, next is also through, oh, man, that's coming up fast. Through uh, 1222, which is next Friday, the winter supply drive for the Lawrence Community Shelter is um, at the library. And so mm-hmm. you can um, see a Facebook link that I'll post uh, with details on that. Okay. And we got some closures. Uh, we're closed 12, 24, and 25 for mm-hmm. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We're closed 12, 31, and uh, January 1, oh 2018. Yeah. It's peeping at us. <laughs> um, man. And uh, if you need any last-minute bookish gift ideas, in addition to Women in Power, yeah. which you really need to, to buy and that. And all of Louise Erdrich's and entire catalog, yes. just buy that. Um, uh, you need to go back. And, and Hope listen. in the Dark. Yeah, and Hope in the Dark. <laughs> listen to our last episode, because we did kick out a lot of jams mm-hmm. on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think our next episode will be like a... New Year's resol- reading resolutions. Yeah. So it probably will be. It's going to be fun times all the times. Yep. All right. All right. Well, happy reading. Happy holidays. Happy and holiday happy reading. reading. <laughs> That's it for this edition of the Book Squad podcast. For more details on any of the books or events mentioned in this episode, visit our website, lplks.org. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe. Please rate or comment. It helps others find the podcast. Our Book Squad librarians are Polly Kinn and Kate Gramlich. Our theme music is by Heidi Lynn Gluck. I'm Jim Barnes, and this has been a production of the Lawrence Public Library.